Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode, when you are young and are told to respect your elders, but three little girls learn what happens when you disrespect an elder's grave. After the family cow gets loose and destroys the neighbor's crop, a family finds they've been targeted by black magic as payback hate when that happens. A teen decides a lifestyle change is in order when he begins to receive warnings about the criminal activity he's been committing. And could a death via alcohol be the reason a ghost haunts with a beer can in his hand? Obviously, he didn't learn the first time around. This whole episode is about lessons learned the hard way. Yeah, sounds like it. Those stories, your calls, and more today. On Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi. I And are you feeling 100% back to normal? I am. It was weird. It came on fast and yeah. it left fast for me. You're not at 80% or 90%? No, I'm 100%. That's good. I'm here. Then, then you recovered quicker than I did from my thing, because I'm saying about 95%. I think we had something different, because you never had a fever and I did. No, I didn't. And I tell you what, I don't know how when you're a little kid, you can have a fever and you don't hurt. Mm -hmm. But when you're this age and you have a fever, it's like you've been hit by a truck. Yeah. It's horrible. Cat scratch fever. No, it's not cat scratch fever. I didn't know that was even a real thing. Yeah. Until you uh, mentioned that to me after we got our cat. Uh-huh. I'm like, really? Because you, you said like when I'm like, that's a song. Like, I, that, It's not real. And no, it's real. I learned it was real because I had a friend who worked in a vet office who a cat scratched her and she literally got cat scratch fever from it. I I was, is that something like anyone can get or do you have to have like an allergy to the cats to get that one, I wonder? I think it's just kind of, I may be wrong, but I think it's kind of like a, a cat scratch that just happens to get infected by something on the claws. Okay, so it's it's not really the cat. It's more so what the cat's been into that's... I think so. I'm probably totally wrong, but I know it's a thing. 
About as accurate as Googling medical advice. It is. That's what our show is. <laughs> yes, it is. Essentially, when it comes to these sort of things, it's like you can Google it. You, that's a funny thing. When anyone Googles something medical, you will find the extreme, horrible answer you're afraid of finding if you dig deep enough. Oh, yeah. It's out there no matter what. I mean, you could have, you know, just you could have a pimple and, and you could end up determining that you have brain cancer. You know, <laughs> if you if you dig deep enough, you'll find a blog somewhere. You'll find some chat board somewhere where somebody you know says something to the effect of, "Oh yeah, I just it started out like the pimple, and the next thing I knew, I was about to go brain dead." You know, it was something horrible. Like oh that. yeah, I found the worst was anytime you have a concern when you're expecting. Never do it when you're expecting. I just think never do it. Never Google medical information, period. Yeah. Ever. I mean, even if you go to like like the, the more, you know, trusted sources like WebMD and stuff, mm-hmm. you can find some basic information there, but you can also read far, far too deep into almost anything you see there, too. It's like, and other causes or other uh, may, may also be this. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a cold or it may be. It's by the time you're done looking at your computer yeah. screen, you've diagnosed yourself and you've given mm-hmm. yourself however many years or months to live. I'm sure the medical community absolutely hates people doing that oh yeah although now you can actually go to get a checkup online um there's several sources that do that now there's an app for it where you can actually and and i kind of like this idea i think it's dumb i think it's great for simple things like pink eye or or something where they can easily like get you some antibiotics for uh some sort of like a a flu or whatever okay it's funny you say pink eye because just this year I went and saw an actual doctor mm-hmm. and had a case of pink eye misdiagnosed. Yeah. So it, there's no way sure. that I'm going to trust somebody online. Well, you might as well get a misdiagnosed online too. No, that's <laughs> like a given. So no, I'm going to try it. And the thing is, this is something that we're talking about right now. That's, that's kind of like, it's brand new. That uh-huh. This is happening. And we're like, oh, this is crazy. You know, it's going to, it's going to be like internet dating. Where when that first came out, it was like, oh my God, no, nobody, nobody does. Why would you do that? 10 years from now, it's going to be the norm. Here's the difference. Internet dating, you eventually meet the person in real life. Well, after they misdiagnose you 20 times, you'll eventually go in and meet the doctor. No, I'm not going to go to <laughs> doctor.com and get a prescription for pink eye when it's not that. It's going to be the norm. It's going to be the norm. No. It will be. Mark my words. I will just go in my horse and buggy and see <laughs> the doctor down on Main Street. <laughs> There's a Jenny Bruski actually going to see the doctor. Uh-huh. Look at her. That's what's going to happen. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We'd love to hear it. Of course, you can also write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Com. What if everybody's actually use a doctor thing online? It'd be interesting to just, uh, shoot us some feedback if you have. I'm I'm a, pro- a proponent of it. I think if for some things, I think it's not a bad idea. Okay. You know. We'll see how it turns out for you. When I need to check and see if I got scurvy. I'm going to a website. There you go. Gigi writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. Just come across your podcast recently. I enjoy your show very much. Hope your show will be around for a very long time to come. Story I've chosen to share with you in tonight is my second run-in with the spirit world. My first one I wish to share with you at another time. With that one, the spirit was so real to me that for years I thought I really did have a girlfriend that would play with me. I was roughly four or five at the time. So fast forward, I had roughly seven years later. Grew up in a strict religious family. 
Spare the Rod was a favorite scripture, TV, and anything in the world of Satan. Of Often there would be a TV in the house for a brief time, two months, and then it would be gone. This went to uh, was on was went on from second grade through fifth or sixth grade. I was told and raised to believe that there are no such things as ghosts or spirits, only demons who want you to believe they are ghosts. At this point in my life, I believed everything I was told, and all authority figures were right. They were older and knew best. One day, I was invited to a girl's house along with another girl. We all grew up together and went to the same church. They'd been told the same thing. There's no such things as ghosts or spirits. I think I was the youngest in the group. I was in middle school at the time. The other two girls were a year older than I. I don't recall what we did before our mutual friend made the suggestion of us going outside and taking a walk along the property. Her father's family had owned and kept this property in the family for several generations. I have no idea how many acres they owned when they were still on the property. Through the years, the ancestors of her father had to sell some of the acreage after falling onto some hard times. This happened a few times. Time would pass before I'd find out just how expansive this property had been when her great-grandfather had owned it. It was agreed that we would eat lunch when we got back from our walk. You know, it was before lunchtime when we began to head out. One of us asked, how long of a walk would it be? The reply, if I remember correctly, was, we'll be back in time for lunch, then it will be time for you to go home. I remember it was a warm, sunny day, and the thought of walking under the sun with nothing to drink and not knowing for sure the amount of time we'd be gone rubbed me the wrong way. But I went anyway. It mattered to me at that time to be accepted by these two girls. After we'd left the girl's older brother and her telling him and his friend to leave us alone and not to follow us, we continued on our way through at least four acres, maybe more. I was raised a city girl, though my own grandparents had been raised in the country. I've always been drawn to the countryside and preferred dirt beneath my feet rather than just asphalt. So I was enjoying the view and the smells. Time passed quickly and I noticed the sun had moved away from lunchtime. It was past high noon. Someone asked, how much further? just beyond that tree line over there, so we continued. I cannot recall how our destination came up. I only remember the feeling of my stomach churning upon hearing the word graveyard. I had a deep respect for graveyards, as well as for the dead. I believe I was born with it. The teaching that we lived and then just simply die and return to the dust from once we came has never, in all my days, sat well with me. As we neared the tree line, the sun began to slide down towards the trees, and this worried me some. I realized that if we weren't to make it back in time for my mom to pick me up, we or I would have to run all the way back. My stomach was uneasy and hungry all at the same time. I grew impatient, something to the effect of, well, that's it, was what I said. I looked before me, and I could see the wrought iron fence with a gate, Inside behind it was a small family plot. It terrified me to know that their family had buried their own on the furthest corner of the property. I linked it to uh, as one would bury the family pet in the backyard. This was new to me. Looking closer, I could make out a tall pillar toppled over on its side. Other grave markers had been moved, and one was even cracked down the middle. I asked why the graveyard was unkept. Grave robbers, came the reply. My family eventually gave up. 
It's like this every time we come out here. My heart grew heavy upon hearing those words and my stomach flipped. In my mind, I saw a picture of what I imagined spirits to look like roaming among the tombstones, toppling them over and breaking that one. We were closer now and the sun had just begun to touch the tops of the trees. The temperature was dropping fast. I let a chill make me shiver and I literally shook it off. I was wearing a thin summer sweater along with a thin shirt underneath. I hadn't brought a coat. The other girl that was with us, matter-of-factly, stated she was going in. Our mutual friend whose father owned the property objected. Come on, get out of here. Let's head back. It's getting late. I looked on in shock and horror as the girl stood on the top of the grave using her shoe to move aside dried old leaves. I was appalled at her behavior on top of this grave. Where was her respect? She was literally standing on top of the grave, not to the side. Again, our mutual friend spoke up. Come on, let's go. The girl standing on top of the grave shushed our mutual friend. Quiet, she hissed. I think I heard something. Once again, I noticed the temp had dropped. However, this time it was unlike any cold I had felt before in weather as that was on that day. I couldn't explain it. It made no sense to me. I looked down at my arm to discover goosebumps. There was no breeze, yet a few yards away... It sounded like a soft breeze was rustling the leaves in the trees. By this time, I was as cold as I would be if I had stepped outside in the dead of winter with no coat on and had stayed outside for a couple of minutes. Time seemed to slow down and I heard the shaky question, What? Did you hear that? I didn't understand the question and the girl standing on the grave yelled, What? I didn't hear you. At that very moment, in trying to grasp and make sense of why I was so cold, I looked at the trees and what I saw is the stuff made of grade school kid nightmares. To my disbelief, shock, and amazement, there sitting on the very top of an old oak tree sat a man with a top hat wearing a coat with tails, like a concert pianist. Only these were longer. The top hat was tall, kind of Abraham Lincoln would wear. I could see through him. He had a face, but it was blurred out. The most distinctive part of his face were his eyes. There were two black holes. His mouth was gapped open as if he was saying something. He was just sitting there on the very top of the tree. Not a branch, not a limb, but the very top. There was no space for his rear end to the top of the tree, but he sat there, legs crossed, ankles swinging them back and forth as if sitting on a, bran- uh, on a bench. I couldn't take my eyes off of him, though I wanted to. And even though his face was a blur, I knew he was yelling and scowling. He was very angry. He looked right at me. Our eyes locked, and I thought I was going to die right then and there. For me, I had looked death right in the face. There was a huge crashing sound. It was the girl who had been standing on the grave, tripping and falling out of the family plot. Trying her best to run, I heard. Run, don't look back. Before we made our futile attempts to run, I'd close my eyes, then opened them. I looked, and he was still there. I closed my eyes again, squeezed them shut as tight as I could till my eyes hurt, opened them, and he was still there. I could not believe my eyes. I didn't make sense, or it didn't make sense. The fear that came after that was so intense, I feared for my life. I tried running and got nowhere. I had the feeling of a very cold ice cube sliding down my spine. I could feel his eyes fixated on me, and I could sense his laughter, though I didn't hear it. 
All I could hear was the roar of my blood pumping through my veins. My head was pounding. It hurt so badly. Our mutual friend grabbed my arm and dragged me behind her. The fear and shock we experienced made us lose our bearings as from what direction we had come from. We accidentally ended up in the field her mom had told us not to go near. It was a field where they kept their bull. They are running so fast we didn't notice. That was until I got my sweater stuck on the fence. To make matters worse, it was an electric fence. There I was, stuck on the fence, my back facing the bull and getting shocked. The bull was charging. Somehow my friends managed to get me untangled and removed from the electric fence. I can't remember how. We ran all the way until we could see our friend's house. Along the way back to the house, we ran across my friend's older brother with his friend. We'd been wondering if we had been pranked by those two. It was painfully obvious, though, that it wasn't them. Neither were out of breath from running or sweaty. Nor did they run the same shock and fear that was on our faces. They'd been in the vicinity that we had come across them in. We each looked at one another in horror and vowed to never speak of what we saw for as long as we each lived. Years later, as I had reached appropriate dating age, my accordance, in accordance to my parents' ideals, my parents and I had been invited to my friend's older sister's house and her husband's for dinner. We ate dinner and talked into the night until midnight. As we were getting ready to head out the front door, a fear shot through me so fast it made my head spin. As I had looked to my left, there hanging on the wall was a black and white photograph of the very same man I had seen sitting on the top of the old oak tree. I nearly puked and passed out. Not wanting to cause a scene, I fought against it and leaned against the door so as not to fall. My friend's older sister saw me and sucked in her breath. She had caught the look on my face. You look like you've seen a ghost. What's wrong? I shook my head, unable to speak. After a few minutes, I found my voice and gathered up the courage to ask who that was in the photograph. Oh, that's my great-grandfather. There in the photo, he sat in his top hat and long coattails. Thanks for reading my story. Take care. Gigi. Well, there's an interesting tale of uh, a cemetery. Yeah, I found it really interesting that it seemed the only... Gigi could see the spirit. Mm-hmm. The other girl could hear something being said. That's interesting. Like the senses were being picked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was different um, for each of them. I, you know, the third girl, it didn't really talk about what she felt or if anything. But mm-hmm. I, I found it really great though. At the end, she kind of got that. Um, what's the word? Not clarification, but that, um, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Clarification, uh, assurance or validation? Yes, validation where, you know, she saw the picture in the friend's house and... Oh, is that so-and-so? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's very interesting. So, yeah. The whole time I was reading that story, uh, going through my mind was something I read on, uh, on Facebook earlier today. 
Um, there's a group that I uh, am a member of, and it's just uh, it's reliving memories of my hometown. Uh-huh. When people post old photos of my hometown, everything from back to the you know early turn of the century to the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's neat. It's like oh, I remember that picture of the mall, or or looking in the mall that store while being pushed in my stroller, and it's just images <laughs> you haven't seen, you know, since you were you know little. <laughs> and <laughs> there, this was an interesting one. Somebody talking about a uh, a cemetery that I was completely unaware of. I'll read the post here. So it says, anyone heard of Sylvan or Sylvan Grove Cemetery? It was the city's first cemetery, 20 acres, south side of Grove Street and Peters Avenue, located mostly north of the river. But there was a small area south of the river uh, for the indigent. Um, it was an active cemetery between 1837 and 1893. Uh, there was even an association. Eventually, many of the bodies and tombstones were moved to Ryanzi Cemetery which is my favorite cemetery uh-huh. to wander around. Except for those of the indigent, because the cemetery flooded all the time. Well, it says they found newspaper articles, uh, maps, land deeds. Unfortunately, there's no records of the names of the people who were moved uh, to the other cemetery and the ones who had stayed. And this is interesting because this is like right in town. This is an area that is all homes. This is a neighborhood. And it's been a neighborhood since the turn of the century. Okay, so that cemetery was <clears throat> before the turn of the century? Yes. Um, and then I, I was going on to read some of the, the postings of people who were replying to this going, oh yeah, I lived there. Uh, one of them was saying that they put a pool in their backyard like in the 80s. When they were digging, they found a bunch of bones. And they just assumed there were animals and such. But, oh, gosh. Because these were 1800s bones, probably not in any sort of casket anymore. Yeah. And probably very much rotting, you know, not exactly into a state where you're like, oh, yes, that's a human. Especially if it floods, it floods a lot there. You know, it's going to move those bones and body parts up and down in the ground with the water. Uh, so it's not, you're not going to find necessarily at the same level a full skeleton. But you'll find parts. Yeah, I would think that some of the bones, though, would be a tip-off that maybe yeah. it wasn't sure. um, animal, it was more human, but... If you want to pull, you want to pull. <laughs> Isn't that what they were doing on Poltergeist? They were putting out a pool? I don't remember. Yeah, there's a scene where it's just a muddy pit, and one of them's trying to get their way out of that muddy pit. I just thought it was disturbing. It is disturbing. So the poor people, their bodies are literally on... There's these homes on top of them. Ugh. No. From my hometown. Good old Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I wish I... I mean, if I had known that back then when I lived there, I mean, I would have been like really taking walks around that part of town hoping to see ghosts on the sidewalk. It is a fairly creepy part of town, too. Okay. Lots of... I mean, and... and Really more so just because the homes there are pretty old, and there's a lot of big overgrown trees and such. And the homes are old because we're talking turn-of-the-century homes. Is that, like, by that area you normally talk about that has the big old homes? Yeah. Like Sheboygan Street? It's in that general vicinity. Yeah, it's towards the downtown area flooding and such. So. That's crazy. I just thought it was rather interesting. 
Yeah. But the thing is, I bet almost every town in every city that has been around for that long has that sort of thing. You would think so. Where it's unmarked cemeteries and because that's a fairly common practice back then. You had your cemeteries, but hey, a lot of times they put those cemeteries in places where later on developers are like, this is like prime real estate for homes. Yeah. Why is there a cemetery here? I would think especially in areas where there's not all sorts of room for growth, you know, like here you can just sprawl out, you know, there's, there's more land than anything. So when they put the oldest cemetery in town, it was towards the outskirts of town, but it was huge. Yeah. And they've never had to move it or do anything like that. And when you have massive cemeteries like that, those are not necessarily movable cemeteries, but some of the early ones, you know, they're, they're big for their time, but in the scope of large cemeteries, they were pretty small, and you could look at it going, yeah, we can move this. Or move them, if you will. Yeah, that, I don't know. It, that's kind of a shady practice. Or just the ones with money, we'll move them. But the poor people, yeah, they can stay. Yeah. Which is essentially how that worked. Yeah. As messed up as that is, it's like, oh, these other bodies, they can stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just messed up. That is messed up. So anyhow, Anna writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. I'm a recent listener to your program. I've enjoyed listening to it. I want to share one of my many ghost stories with you and listeners that occurred to my youngest daughter. I've seen her grandfather several times when she was between the ages of three and five. He died when she was three years old and they were very, very close. They shared birthday and she was the youngest of his grandkids. The first time was when she was three and her cousin was taking care of her. She was sitting on her high chair in the kitchen and was finished eating. Her cousin left the kitchen to get something from the living room. When she returned to the kitchen, my daughter got out of her high chair and was standing near her high chair. The tray was neatly set on the side of her high chair. The tray was very hard to remove since the release mechanism was on the bottom of her tray and it was highly unlikely she was able to remove it by herself. When my niece asked how she got out, my daughter responded by saying that her grandfather had taken her out of the chair. My niece niece asked, Where did he go? And she pointed to the door leading to the garage. She told her that he went that way. My niece ran towards the door to see if anybody was there and saw nothing. Another visitation was when she was about four years old and she was really sick with a high fever. She was lying on the couch when I went to check on her. I heard her talking to somebody and noticed she was by herself. I asked her who she was talking to and she said that her grandfather was sitting next to her on the couch and telling her that she would be... Okay. She said he left when I came into the room. The last visit he made was around the age of five. I'd listened to her talking to, talking in her room and would ask her who she was talking to. And she would say her grandfather. I think that's when someone, you have a strong connection with dies, that connection takes a while to break. The last time we had any sign from my dad was when we visited his home and took pictures inside the house and we saw orbs and white streaks around my kids in the photos. This is the end of the story, but I'll try to share more stories with you later. Keep up the good work. I think that is for sure Grandpa sticking around. And I wonder if he's, you know, gotten to where he just doesn't visit her or if she's outgrown being able to see him. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if he's, you know, his concern, I mean, I'm sure he's concerned for his whole family, but his job, his duty now is is being the guardian angel and, and looker-outer 
for the granddaughters. Yeah. And that's where he needs to focus the energy that he, if he needs to project it or can project it, he wants to use it there. That I'm not sure as a parent that I would like my ghost relatives coming and taking my child out of the high chair (laughs) or doing things like that without me being there or, you know, Mm kind of like she's in her high chair for a reason right now. (laughs) Unless, I mean, uh, I I completely agree. I'm, I'm wondering if there was some reason why he got her out. That's true. You know, like if, if she didn't get out, he, he knew that something was going to tip her over or sure. so, you know, some, something unforeseen would have happened to her and he just knew I have to get her out of this in order to prevent this other thing from happening. I could see that. But if it was just a regular habit of, I'm yeah. just going to get her out of her high chair just to do that. Yeah. That'd be a bit much. That would be. That would get annoying very quickly. Yes. It's like, okay, I'm the parent now. You're the ghost grandpa. Uh-huh. But let's be. Let's do what Ghost Grandpa should do, and terrorize them in their sleep. Let's not get them out of the high chair. <laughs> yeah. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Lena writes in. Uh, hey, I'm uh, one of your British listeners, and I absolutely love your show. I wanted to share one of my uh, aunties, my mom's own sister's creepy experiences. Story goes back in time and place to when she was a young teenager in Nepal. She, with her parents and brothers and sisters, lived in a small village in Nepal. In that village, people believed in witch doctors, to the point that it would have been common for witch doctors to be welcomed in a villager's house to sometimes not only to treat ill residents, but also to get rid of dark black magic that may have been casted on the house. However, although witch doctors were appreciated, witches, also known in Nepal as uh, Buxi, were branded as the dark ones as they practiced black magic, and so we've... Uh, been avoided and hated by others. Once my granddad's cow broke, the barriers and wandered into someone else's garden, the cow ate and destroyed most of the neighbor's crop. However, at the time, only the neighbor knew about what had happened, and my granddad had no idea, since the next morning the cow was back in its stable. That same morning, my auntie woke up with a huge and itchy scab on her neck, which looked like a bite mark. She hid it from everyone, and even from her parents, as she did not want them to worry or scold her for not taking care of her body. So my auntie went to the local doctor, and they gave her a cream upon applying it. She became even worse. She had no option but to hide it for a week more. At the end of that week, Granddad had invited the witch doctor to do his routine of getting rid of any bad aura from the house. As soon as the witch doctor entered the house, he told my granddad that one of his granddaughters had been marked by a bookski and told him to bring out uh, that very auntie who had that nasty bite mark on her neck. The witch doctor pointed at my auntie's neck, which was hidden underneath a thick scarf, and said that my auntie had been marked. Everyone was shocked as they themselves never noticed my auntie's huge mark. The witch doctor explained how my granddad's cow had ruined the Booksy's crop and how in return the Booksy did that uh, to my auntie as a way of teaching my family a lesson. After a few hours, the witch doctor, chanting and praying, the wound stopped itching. The next morning, it completely disappeared. To make sure that it was true, my granddad apologized to the Booksy for ruining her crops and she understood and even admitted to her actions. This is one of some crazy stories They've been told to me by my family members. Hope it wasn't too long. And thank you. 
I find it interesting, culture-wise, that you can have essentially people in a culture that both practice otherworldly type um, religious practices, practices, mm-hmm. but you have one that's widely accepted and you have one that's shunned out. And it's not because they're practicing something that people may or may not believe in. It's the intent. So the witch doctor that's doing something that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. supernatural and otherworldly is widely accepted and everybody's fine with it. But the the witch, the booksy, practicing something on the dark side of that is shunned. Well, I think it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're not both accepted as, I think they're both accepted as their power existing. They don't look at the booksy as, uh, they're just kind of wacky over there. I think they view that as, there's power there, but they're a, a very nefarious person that's using it for the, you know, the, those powers for the wrong reason. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it's not a, a matter of if yeah. it works or if it's sure. legit. It's, you use that in a bad way, so society casts you out. Sure. Versus you use this in a good way, society is going to accept you. Mm-hmm. I just find it, it's funny that that's the differential, not versus... I don't believe in any of that stuff sure. and and group of people that that does believe in it. I yeah. I I just think it's kind of a a given paradigm in that sure. society. I yeah. just think that's neat. It's just the norm. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like you know, I guess the norm in our society is you take prescription medication and it should work for you. You know, or or it has powers, you know, sure. you know to to heal and such. Um and it's just accepted, if you will. And, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. It's just that it would be interesting if, if the, the whole paranormal world, and I'm not saying witchcraft or anything like that. I'm, I'm saying ghosts. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, you know, the paranormal, the unexplained was more of a norm. I think it's getting there. I wonder what the percentage of the population is that believes in ghosts is these days. <clears throat> Do you think it's higher now than it used to be? I, I think so. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was either. But I think in our country it was low mm-hmm. for a while. And I think it, it certainly has gone up there a lot higher. It's just something we should look up sometime. Yeah. I'm just, just, I'm just curious, you know. 855-853-4802 is our phone, our phone number. My parents once had a, a cow looking in their window. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> really? On their first uh, their first home. Um, my, uh, my grandparents, my dad's parents gave them a little piece of, of, uh, land, uh, that they had owned, mm-hmm. um, uh, on the farm and, uh, their first small little meager home was there. <laughs> and one night the story goes, uh, some of the cows, and I don't know, I don't think it was theirs. I think it was just some, it's farmland. It's Wisconsin. It's the dairy state and somebody's cows got loose, which happens. Uh, I don't know how frequently anymore, but happens quite a bit back then. And they woke up to cows looking in their windows. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my parents told me that story from a very young age. So I just have this, this image in my mind of, you know, like bossy's head sticking through the windows. And uh-huh. eventually they, they, the owner got them and they, you know, got them back to the, their farm. But yeah. 
That's funny. That's, I guess, one of the joys of uh, being able to have your first home literally in a farm field. That's really funny. So, there you go. <coughs> You're lucky. You got rid of your cold sooner. I still kind of got some of mine. I'm still at like eight. I'm not. I don't know. What do you think? I was saying 95% before. I think I'm more like 85. Uh, yeah, you're... It's you're, getting there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not getting worse, I don't think. It's just the end of it. Yeah, it's that last part. Yeah. Pete writes in, good evening, team. Let me start by uh, saying I love the show. When I was a young man, I had a few experiences which caused me to alter my lifestyle. I'd like to tell you about three I believe to be linked I was knocking about uh, with some less than honest people and uh, made our money in less than honest ways. In short, we stole cars. On a few occasions, returning home, I felt uneasy about what I had done, but kept on brushing it aside and uh, would be out and up to no good a few days later. May I say I did what I did for my own greed, not to feed any habit. I had a clear mind, so cannot put it down to hallucinations. The first occasion happened when I was asleep on my mother's couch after a night of no good, and the police knocked on the door and wanted to come in and look around inside. I was trying to play it cool, went back to sleep on the couch, and let them do what they came to do. Woke up sometime after they had left and nobody was home. The uneasy feeling I get was present, so I decided to have a smoke and try to brush it off. As I put my head up to try and find my lighter, a picture that was hanging on the wall above where I was sleeping came off the wall and landed right where my head was, with no explanation as to why it fell off. The cord and hanger were still intact. Hung it back up, brushed it aside. Second occasion happened when I returned home from a day of shopping with my mom. Wanted to spoil my mother with my ill-gotten money and to relieve my guilt. I didn't work. I unlocked the front door, ran inside to use a toilet. As I went through our kitchen, I was stopped in my tracks by a tall, dark man looking out our kitchen window. He frightened me, and I wasn't expecting to see anyone there. As I stopped, he turned around and said, Peter, I need to speak to your mother now. People generally only call me Peter when I'm in trouble. I turned and called for my mom, and when she came inside, the man was gone. She quizzed me as to who it was and what it looked like. She seemed to think it was her uncle, who had died at least ten years before I was born. She later told me he had come to her before to give her a a warning to leave her ex-husband. I can't confirm this because I've never seen him or any pictures of him. He only said to me that he needed to speak to my mother and then disappeared. The final occasion happened after I just dropped a car off and was riding home. Lived about a 10-minute ride from home and it was early in the morning. I was keen to get home and sleep as I was riding. The familiar uneasy feeling returned. Felt as if I was being followed and whatever was following me was catching me. I pedaled as fast as I could and looked over my right shoulder, saw a large black mass following me. Whatever it was, it was with me until I reached the street I lived on. When I got home, I went straight into my room and turned on the TV. Give me some background noise while I slept. I know I was dreaming because I dreamt my mother had died and the song Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon was playing when I got told. I was then shaken awake by something. My TV was off and my radio was on softly and that same song was playing felt as if I was being held down, unable to move my body. However, I could move my legs and arms. I felt a heavy presence on my chest and could hear what sounded like heavy breathing. I could feel it close my face and it frustrated frustrated an angry voice said, Do you want to die? Then it was gone. I ran straight to my mother's room to check if she was okay and woke her up. 
She could see I was scared and asked me what was wrong. I explained my dream and then what happened after I woke. I had to confess what I had been doing the past few months to my mother, and she also insisted I confess to the police. I believe if I had kept on living this lifestyle, I would not be around today. I feel I have someone around me that is helping me along my journey, as I've had a few other experiences. I can still to this day hear the voice and the warning that was given to me in my, he- my head. I appreciate you taking the time to read my story. I would love to get your take on it. Thank you again and keep up the great work. Pete in Australia. I think it's a good thing sometimes we get the you-know-what scared out of us because it can make us stop and, and take a look at what we're doing and really make a decision because when you're young and you're doing things like that and you're, you know, you, you just, for whatever reason, you feel like nothing can get you. Sure. I mean, I felt that way when I was stealing cars, too. I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's good that the, what was it, his uncle? Or yeah. was it, okay. Yeah, his uncle was trying to get the message across to his mom, who seemed to be the person that would be the most influential mm-hmm. in his life at that point. At, at first, I was wondering if it was like a something dark that was kind of following him around. But towards the end, I was like, no, this might be something that was trying to scare him. Mm-hmm. I mean, scare, I mean, you normally don't think of like a good spirit doing scary things. But that seemed to be the only way to get through to him. Yeah. So, very interesting take on that. Right. Yeah, I'm glad that the mom made him go and confess so that they yeah. could solve all those, you know, sure. robberies. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but... It was a letter written to us from prison. <laughs> I don't think so. It was probably one of those things where he was underage and yeah. got it taken care of, but and changed his ways then when he became yeah of age. So interesting story. Thank you so much for uh, for writing in. Uh, Jay writes in. Hi Tony and Jenny, new listener here. I stumbled across your podcast and love it. I have a story for you guys. Met my boyfriend in San Francisco. Due to the city being so expensive, we decided to move to Tucson and stay with my boyfriend's family. My boyfriend told me stories about when he was a kid and he'd see a little girl walk into his closet on several occasions. And other times, he'd wake up standing facing the corner. I always laughed it off because being in the house, I never felt anything around me until I was in the house alone. There are six of us in the house, so it's rare that I'm ever alone in the house. But the first time I was alone, I couldn't shake the feeling I was being watched. I was sitting at the desk in our room, which is opposite the door. The door was open since I was home alone. I was listening to music or whatever I was doing on my computer, and I felt a draft on my neck. I turned to face the door and saw what appeared to be a man holding a beer bottle, ducking into the living room at the end of the hallway. Thinking it was either my boyfriend or one of his sisters, I called out after a few seconds and no reply. I got up, walked into the living room, and no one was in the room. Checked the bedrooms and the locks and all the doors, and I was definitely alone. Started getting really creeped out at this point, so I decided to turn on the TV in the living room just to have some noise in the house so it wasn't so quiet. Went back to the bedroom, got back on the computer, texted my boyfriend to tell him that, uh, tell him what I, thought I, what I thought I saw. He told me he used to see the same thing when he was younger, that his mom's first husband had died in that house before his mother had married his dad, and that he had drank himself to death. At this point, I was really freaked out. I decided to go to the kitchen to make some food to take my mind off of it. While in the kitchen, I noticed the house got quiet again. 
peeked my head around the corner, and the TV in the living room was off. Walked over and tried to turn the TV back on, but the remote wasn't working. Then I heard what sounded like a little girl's muffled laughing coming from the bedroom. Called my boyfriend and asked him how long it was going to be before he was going to be home. He said he was on his way, so I sat in the kitchen until he got home. Once he was home, the noises and stuff stopped. I make it a point to not be in the house alone now. There are occasions where I am, and every time I hear weird stuff around the house, I don't think his mom's first husband likes me very much. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Love the show. Keep up the great episodes. I almost named this episode not alive in Tucson, but there would be two (laughs) people that would catch that. That's true. Yeah. So if you had to be a ghost... Mm Mm-hmm. What would be your object you'd be carrying around with you? This one had a beer. Uh-huh. A microphone. Microphone? <laughs> I don't know. I guess if I if I wanted something to identify me by, uh-huh. I guess I would probably pick that. Yeah. I mean, then they go, oh, the, of course it's him. I think it'd be your phone, because it's almost grown to your hand. Yeah, I mean, that's how it is, like, right now. But, I mean, it, it, the thing is... Everyone carries their phone around. Everybody's, you know, messing around on their phone these days. It's not a very identifiable thing or unique thing. Yeah. I'm saying pick some, uh, you know, a unique thing that people could see me by. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, pick an object that, you know, I enjoy working with. I mean, I I do enjoy the microphone, but I mean, it's not like, oh, great. Now I can text my entire uh, life through eternity. Oh, that would be interesting sending texts from the grave. <laughs> yeah. If I could guarantee that the thing worked and I could communicate through it, I would do the phone. Uh-huh. But um, if I was just going for something unidentifiable characteristic, it'd be a microphone. Yeah. But Bob Barker, when he dies, walks around. With He's going to have that little skinny yeah. microphone. Yeah. He's going to have that wandering around. Mm-hmm. That's how that'll work. You? Oh, coffee mug with something in it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time of the day. There's something in my coffee mug. What's going to be in your coffee mug in the afterlife? Uh, Probably some strong coffee with a whole lot of Baileys in it. (laughs) So it's kind of like having the beer walking around. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Except it's coffee. It's just a little uh, less, less, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Identifiable. Identifiable or, or, yeah, or questionable looking. Uh (laughs) That's the way to do it. (laughs) Or you could, uh, I was going to make a joke about uh, the uh, the cleaning lady that you saw today. Oh my gosh, that was insane! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> Do you want to mention? You that? go ahead. All right, you tell the story. So we were in Jenny's office today, and and we were uh, we were working on some stuff, and uh, the neighbor had um, someone that was just sitting in their driveway. And it were kind of like, oh, this is interesting. It's the middle of the day. Um, anyway, we were going to go get there. You were going to go get the mail. And, yeah. And anyway, there she, I mean, she didn't look like threatening or anything. It was just like, who is this person just sitting in this driveway you know, with the windows open? Um, turns out it was the neighbor's cleaning person. Um, but she was sitting in there having a beer. <laughs> yeah, this was not even noon. Taking a break. Yes. It's like, okay. And then she was like trying to justify it, why she was having a beer while she was supposed to be cleaning house. Like maybe time to get some help at that point. Yeah. If that's what's what's going on. It was just, it was the last thing you expected. I mean, 
<laughs> if she hadn't pointed it out, I would have just assumed she was drinking a Diet Pepsi or something. Yeah. But she's like, oh, you caught me. I'm having my beer. I was <laughs> like, what the hell time is it's it? It's 11.35 on a Monday morning. Wow. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, yeah. I, you think that helps with the cleaning? You know, do you end up forgetting you clean your spot and you go back and you clean a little bit more <laughs> to make a thorough? I don't think it would help me. I think I would do a worse job. Oh, no. I'd be like, ah, I got that. I'm, it probably depends on the person's personality and how they get after having a beverage. You know, I, for me, I would be like, ah, it's dusted enough. I'm done. You think she would justify it as, oh, I use it to clean the toilet or something because of the carbonation. <laughs> Enhance the skills like Coca-Cola or something? Oh, yeah, because yeah. we had somebody that we knew who used Coca-Cola to clean their toilet. And baking soda on everything else. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to uh, a caller here. Hi, you're on the air. All right, so this is 100% true. It's weird, but it's true. Uh, married, four kids. Uh, my wife and I uh, purchased our first home. When we did, uh, we started moving our furniture and whatnot in, and I had my cousin helping me. We were there for a few nights. We had the majority of the big stuff in. My cousin was, uh, this is late at night now, maybe third, fourth night in. My cousin and I were setting up my stereo system in our living room, and uh, my kids were asleep, and my wife was asleep. We finished setting up the stereo system, and we started watching late night, uh, some late night TV, had a couple of beers. Had the TV down really low. Uh, My cousin and myself were sitting on the couch, and we heard somebody talking in the kitchen. Couldn't make out what they were saying, but you can definitely tell someone was talking. So I muted the TV, put the TV on mute, and I looked over at my cousin. He looked at me. We both heard the same thing. So uh, we got up. I looked in the bedrooms. My wife was asleep. Kids are asleep. Just thought it was strange. So my cousin and I we went back in the living room, put the TV back on. A few minutes later, same thing. Start hearing some woman, it sounded like, talking in my kitchen. Again, we got up, did some investigation. Everybody's sleeping. Nobody's in the kitchen. That night goes by. You know, we're hearing odd noises down in the basement. You know, dryers would open, but that could happen if clothes bumped the door, I guess. But... Just weird things would happen, noises, banging, um, just these odd, out-of-the-normal noises, but we tried to ignore it. So I guess it was about six months later, I'm in a new neighborhood, you know, so I'm taking my car to get its oil changed, and I went and signed up at a new place, and they took, you know, my name. I took one of my kids with me, actually. So they're asking me my name, address, this and that, and I give them my name and address, and I sit down, and the gentleman that was waiting in the uh, waiting room for his car to get done, he said, oh, so you bought that house and such and such address? I said, yeah, yeah, I did. He said, oh, you live uh, two hours down from my daughter. She moved there about five years ago. He says, uh, too bad about the previous owner, old lady. I said, what do you mean? And he's told, he he began to tell me how the old woman that lived there had a heart attack in the kitchen and the fire department had to kick the door in, the back door in, which uh, was replaced when we bought the house. 
and uh, they couldn't get into her into the house in time, and she passed away in the kitchen. And my the hair stood up in the back of my neck because I know for a fact that we heard the previous owner talking in the kitchen. So uh, it's true. It's pretty weird, freaky, but. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Probably not one that would be considered a uh, impacted property. Would you say? Well, an old lady mm. having a heart attack and dying in her kitchen. Yeah, I don't know. Now, if she sat there for months and nobody was sure, that's just gory and gross, and yeah, that would I think be more of an impacted property. I'm thinking this one was just well, old lady died. It's sad, of course, but probably nothing to necessarily legally make the real estate listings as a feature of the house. Sure. So that's interesting, though, that he was able to uh, have that fun experience when he, he got the house and he's just kind of going around doing his normal new things in town. And somebody has to go and fill him in on the fine joys of, uh, of his new home. What kind of person is that? It's like, hey, did you know that some old lady died in your house? I had that happen here. Not with a house, but I had that when I moved to Wichita. I know, but those were the... The, the folks at Best Buy? Yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll share my... I know I've talked about You've it already, in an episode yeah. a long time ago, but we have new listeners. Okay. Um, I'll give you the, the quick one-minute version. So I moved to Wichita years ago. This is you know, almost nine years ago. Uh, the apartment I was moving into... Thinking, okay, this is a nice place. And it was. It was a decent complex and whatnot. Pretty new uh, and everything. Really not a place you'd be suspecting of anything horrible happening at. Um, so I'm getting and getting a washing machine at Best Buy. And uh, I'm giving the address to where they need to deliver it to. Oh, you live there? I've been in town literally at this point less than 24 hours. And uh, yep, that's, that's where it needs to... Oh, did they ever find the head? <laughs> what? Oh, you don't know about it. No, I can't say I do. What are you referring to? Well, apparently someone had a cleaning service um, and the cleaner uh, was decapitated uh, in one of the apartments. Not my building. It was like a 8, 12 building complex or something. But they're all kind of on top of each other. And uh, it was a somewhat of a domestic incident. It wasn't just, you know, Jack the Ripper going around. It was related. There was intent. Yeah, with, with she was murder. targeted. Yeah. Um, not that it makes it all that much better, but it makes it better than Jack the Ripper running around randomly decapitating people. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they, I don't know if they ever did find the head. Uh, there was like rumors that it was in the bottom of this lake that was behind everything. Where I would go walk around and I thought it was so peaceful until I heard that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a, a welcome to Wichita. <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand the people that feel the need to share that. It's like, can't you just let somebody go peacefully live in their new home? Nope. 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 I, I got that sort of thing for like the first year I lived here. There's a lot of bizarre murders that have happened in the city. Yeah. And it was like every place I went, 
It was, oh, oh, you're downtown for some festival? Oh, yeah, well, up there in the 70s, on top of that building that used to be the Holiday Inn, there was a sniper that was picking people off. And then I heard, like, all of the other bizarro murder stories of the town from, like, wherever I was at. Like, oh, you're in this city. Well, that's where BTK used to live, right down, right by the Applebee's over there. And all these, there's a couple other horrific ones I won't get into, but that was just, like, it was bizarre. It was bizarre because it was, like, every place I went for a good couple of months, that was, like, always a conversation with new people. It was like, oh, here's a horrible story for us. It's like, why? Why are you telling me this? Why are we talking about, like... Why didn't you just Google... I want those shockers. Google the city you were moving to. Because, well, keep in mind it was nine years ago. Okay, there were search engines. There was search. I mean, yeah. I've been yahooing it, I think, a little okay. bit more. But, I mean, and I did... I mean, I knew about BTK. I, I just didn't know about... Um, I mean, a lot of the other stuff really wasn't all that public, you know. And that, I mean, I, I Googled the apartment complex, but you had to really kind of dig, I found, at that time to find that story. Okay. It was like, you had to like put in the apartment complex name and then like beheading. And then you found the story. But it's like when I'm searching for apartment complexes, I'm not like putting in that. That's not usually a term I'm putting together, just in case. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But from now on <laughs> when, when the girls get older and they move out and they find hey make sure wherever you look put in that apartment complex name and the word beheading and see what comes up if wow. anything find a new complex <laughs> yeah anyway, I lived there for a couple years it was quite peaceful but <laughs> aside from that so mm-hmm. anywho that wraps up the show for today if you like the show please consider supporting it becoming an EPP extra podcast person that's what keeps our show on the air five bucks a month get all the bonus episodes bonus video really cool stuff and the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping this show alive check it out realghoststoriesonline.com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online <laughs>